0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is your host, David Bennett. This is Bitcoin and episode number 23. October the 29th, 2018 at a ripal 840 in the morning, central daylight savings time. Um, let's get right into vitals. Price of Bitcoin, as everybody knows, has plunged like a percent and a half or something like that. So they're getting an average price right now on my read at 6348 with a high of uh, six thousand three hundred and seventy-seven from HitBTC to a low of uh, looks like uh, six thousand three hundred and six thousand two hundred and sixty-eight from GDAX. So the uh, average uh, average or the transactions over the last twenty-four hours for uh, BTC is to two hundred thirty-seven thousand. Average transactions per hour is just below ten thousand. Uh, pretty low send over the last twenty four hours. Of course, it has been the weekend, and that that is kind of kind of a deal. Uh, Six hundred fifty nine thousand BTC have been sent in the last twenty four hours. Uh, average per hour is twenty seven thousand five hundred. Average transaction value is down to two point seven eight BTC. Median transaction value is relatively stable at 0.32 BTC or about $200 United States. Block time is uh, pretty much where it should be: nine minutes and 32 seconds. Blocks over the last 24 hours is 149, and blocks uh, blocks per block average per hour is six. Uh, reward per block is still at uh, 12.5 BTC. Plus 0.09 BTC in fees per block. Over the last 24 hours, 1,863 BTC have been created, with an and then a 13.76 BTC in uh, rewards or in in fees. The hash rate is up 5.48%. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Still fighting off cold. Hash rate is up 5.48% in the last 24 hours, bringing us back up above 50 exahashes to 51.3 exahashes per second uh, across the board. It looks like uh, Ethereum is woo. Ethereum went down below 200. Whoa, 197.51 BCH or uh, Bcash is at 417. Litecoin is at 49 dollars. God, everything's getting hammered. Ethereum Classic is nine point zero nine dollars. Bitcoin Gold is twenty six point four nine dollars. Dogecoin is still below the point zero zero four at point zero zero three nine dollars. I think that'll probably do it uh, for the uh, for the vitals. Let's let's move on from here. Today's morning roundup is brought to you by coffee. Shit tons of coffee. Uh, first up in my deck is a tweet from Samurai Wallet. If you have recently received a very small amount of BTC in your wallet unexpectedly, you may be the target of a dusting attack designed to de anonymize you by linking your inputs together. Samurai users can mark this UTXO as do not spend to nip the attack in the bud. And what they're talking about is that it, there, it seems clear that there's a, a type of attack uh, going around and probably has been, it's probably been around for a while. Um, and people would just either not notice or just not dealt with it. Uh, but apparently if somebody, since anybody can just, if anybody has, who has your wallet address can just send you uh, Bitcoin, whether you ask for it, know it's coming or anything, uh, they can just, you could just receive a donation, um, but these are really, really, really small amounts, as to be, you know, essentially worthless. And apparently, what it does is it, once that dusting attack comes in, it uh, and links to, it links your inputs together, and so when you spend like something that you have already owned from that wallet whoever sent you that dusting attack, uh, can now kind of track you, track you through the chain. Um, but see what, what, what I don't understand about that though, is, um, if they knew your wallet address in the first place, they could just track you. Why, you know, why send you any kind of BTC, you know, whatsoever. So there's more to this than, than I know, um, I'd like to get, uh, like, uh, maybe uh, talk to some of the guys in Samurai Wallet about how this is any different than just being able to watch somebody's wallet account. Um, But still, yeah, it's cool, though, that the Samurai guys have have built into the Samurai Wallet a way that you can mark that attack. And basically, you just don't ever include that in any kind of UTXO transaction that you send out, kind of like they said, nipping, nipping that attack in the bud. So that that's cool that they're they're uh, they're doing that. Uh, next up in the stack is Bitstamp gets bought, dude. CoinDesk article. Uh, yeah, Bitstamp confirms sale to gaming group NXC. And yeah, this is a CoinDesk. It's written by Nicholas Day, and it's, yeah, that's this morning. Uh, cryptocurrency exchange Bitstamp has been acquired by NXMH, an investment firm based in Belgium and owned by South Korean conglomerate NXC. So yeah, Bitstamp, uh, Bitstamp got bought. That's uh, that really. That surprised the the dickens out of me. Um, let's see what they're actually Bitstamp themselves actually has a a press release out. Dear Bitstamp customers, today and this is by the C. This is from uh, and there's no. I have no hope in hell of being able to pronounce this gentleman's name without butchering it severely. N e j c k o d r i c Kodrick seems to be the last name, but I'm probably butchering that. Anyway, CEO of Bitstamp writes to uh, Bitstamp customers, Dear Bitstamp customers, today I am pleased to announce that Bitstamp has been acquired by NXMH, a Belgium-based investment company. (laughs) No, it's more South Korea-based, but view that as it may. Uh, Bitstamp has been regularly approached by suitors for quite some time. The reason why we finally decided to sell the company is a combination of the quality quality of the buyer, the quality of the offer, and the fact that the industry is at a point where consolidation makes sense. A major factor in agreeing to the sale is that the mission, leadership, and vision of the company remains the same. I want to assure you that Bitstamp remains Bitstamp. (coughs) We will continue to innovate with the goal of giving our customers the absolute best trading experience. It is business as usual here. We do anticipate that this acquisition will strengthen Bitstamp's positioning for growth, which will provide opportunities to better serve our customers. Customers should not have any concerns about their accounts or changes to the way we operate. Uh, Bitstamp has come a long way since we started in a garage with two laptops and 100 euros seven years ago. Wow, man, that's freaking impressive. We believe this acquisition is the logical next step in Bitstamp's growth as a company, and I look forward to the future with this team. And then he signs off by his name. Okay, so my take on this is that they sold. but yeah, And that's fine. Um, there's only one, there's one, and you know it, there's one sentence in here that kind of gives me the willies. The fact that the industry is at a point where consolidation makes sense. I'm not sure consolidation of any part of this industry at any time makes any sense at all. I think continual deconstruction is the way is the way to go. decentralization, ripping things down, making things smaller, you know, making things more nodal, making things more um, oh, nimble, Light armored, fast moving is the way that this thing needs to go. And consolidation in from this standpoint uh, means to me make bigger, heavier, more lumbering, an easier target. That's what this sounds like to me. So while I wish Bitstamp all the best, um, I don't think the industry is at a point where consolidation makes sense. I completely disagree with that. But it's their business. They can do whatever the hell they want to do with it. Moving on. Jameson Lopp writes, <laughs> Full validation sync of at Parity Tech 2.1.3 now takes 3.7 days on this machine. I increased cache to 24 gigabytes of RAM, and it peaked at 23 gigabytes. Disk input output is the bottleneck with over 22 terabyte read and 20 terabyte written in total. Five times longer, only eight months later. So what he's re- he's referring to an earlier tweet of his where he says, ran an Ethereum comparison on this blazing fast setup Parity Tech 1.9.3 node with no warp, fast pruning, and 10 gigabyte cache took... Tick- <coughs> 1030 minutes to sync the uh, to chain tip eth has 57% as many total transactions as btc but takes 530% longer to sync so now what he's what he's done is he's gone back and he's done this again with at, when he did it the first time it was with parity 1.9.3 node now it's at the 2.1.3 node which is 8 months later and it's uh, five times longer to do than than he did before, and it was already five hundred and thirty percent longer to sync than the Bitcoin chain eight months ago. Then, so you know, that's one of the reasons why I stopped giving the the vital statistics on the chain length of uh, Ethereum because I don't think the the data that I was getting was in in any way, shape, form, or fashion remotely correct. Uh, this looks like see, I think I was. Saying it was something like 678 gigabytes, uh, I don't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't appear so. It appears to be multiple tens of terabytes. And what I was just saying about consolidation with uh, Bitstamp, I don't think making things bigger, longer, more lumbering uh, is is the way to go here. Light, light armored, fast moving, maneuverable get in, get out, I did very stealth, barely be able to be noticed by anybody who, who gives it, you know, gives a crap about trying to notice you. This is what you want. And I don't think like 20 terabytes of, of data is the way to, to, is the way to do that. Now, Jameson Lop, this is actually kind of entered into, um, Quite the fight with a guy named, uh, well, well, with uh, Cyber Hokey. And I think one of the things that uh, Cyber Hokie says is, uh, he's like, he start, actually starts getting into a fight with the One Vortex. Uh, whereas One Vortex says, uh, well, Vortex is, is ta- clearly taking Jameson's side on this. And Andrew comes uh, and says that. Um, Andrew, he's replying to Andrew he says I can dig consistently benchmarking for analysis I guess it's the way the information is taken and propagated by others that has touched a nerve it's not like Ethereum devs are willfully ignoring the issue the last thing anyone wants is a network dependent on Infura One <coughs> Vortex writes back the last thing anyone wants is a network dependent on Infura quotes really because that's exactly what we are seeing ETH governance via nodes now consists of only a few parties, including Infura and, and the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance, to which Andrew writes back and says, That's a blatant fallacy. I write a full node. Please don't propagate utter bullshit. Crypto Twitter is devolving already this morning into just a a, a whole bunch of arguments. People just really nerves are just fried around the board and a two point you know, a two percent drop in the price to, to start out the day is 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 not helping helping people very much. So uh, hold on to your asses, people. Try to be good to each other. Uh, Peter Todd retweeted. Well, it's not that's not important. Uh, Medium Squeeze at Medium Squeeze uh, wrote or, or uh, put up um, a story from our, uh, a Steamet story that was in uh, the web archives and I think it was like Thinksclamation uh, wrote this Organized FUD How the FUD Mafia is Plaguing the Industry Part 4 well I'm not going to read it but it appears I mean I've read it I'm not going to read it here because it looks like Bitfinext got doxed and I'm not going to say his name I'm not going to describe the picture that I'm looking at and I'm Kind of not going to put this one in uh, in my um, in my line. Um, I don't want to. I just don't. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to know what's going on here. Seems that he may have. him um, seems he may have ties with some people that we don't really want him to have ties with, and um, uh, like let's say in in. Bitfinex might indirectly be connected to the CFTC <coughs> and is apparently buddies with the lawyer who accepted thousands of dollars of donations on his behalf to defend against a non-existent lawsuit. Now, that's that's what Peter Todd said when he retweeted uh, Medium Squeeze. kind of gave a uh, kind of condensation down on it, of uh, the story. But, uh, yeah, it looks like people like – it seems like that Bitfinext has been outed um, that his true identity is known and looks like a whole it's appeared to me that quite a bit of, of, of decent evidence has come out um, that he is who the doxing says he is so I'll, I'll leave that one for you guys um, I, I've got it in my morning roundup line uh, uh, timeline but I am going to delete this now um, I'm not going to propagate doxing. I just, I I, I kind of can't. Uh, I mean, as far as the name and the picture and stuff like that. But it does look like Bitfinex got doxed. So, uh, y'all might want to keep an eye on what's going to happen to Bit uh, Bitfinex and how his story changes. I, I don't know. This is all weird because Whale Report, or uh, 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 not Whale Reports. People were invited, may, may have been Whale Reports, uh, was inviting him to uh Uh, Bitfinex to defend his points and it looked like it was going to happen and then all of a sudden Bitfinex just like went dark and this kind of all happened around the same time so I don't know if he backed out because of this story or this story hit because he backed out I don't know, that's just tinfoil hat conjecture and I'm not going to entertain it right now Um, next up, yeah it looks like Gab is Uh, was never decentralized in the first place which was in the very very early days is what everybody was excited about because Gab came up as part of the cryptocurrency uh, thing and it was oh it's decentralized and they'll never shut us down they'll never shut us down well come to find out their domain was registered with GoDaddy and GoDaddy told them what to go do with it now I I am neither for nor against Gab at this point I'm not going to I'm not going to pontificate on whether or not I believe Gab should be shut down. I mean, I guess I will pontificate on that. No, I don't think they should be shut down. I have no idea if it's just nothing but a bunch of, like, everybody's just confusing, you know, uh, can, uh, pointing their fingers at them saying that they're Nazis and they're right-wingers and they're alt-right. And it's like the same bullshit I hear all the time. And, I mean, I, when I first found Gab, I got on Gab. I have a Gab account. And you know What happened? I never used it. I'm really trying to get into Mastodon, but that's probably not going to happen until Twitter has a wholesale meltdown, which looks like they might, because apparently I heard heard that uh, Jack Dorsey is thinking about or is eventually going to remove the, the damn like button to help get better discourse on Twitter, um, to which I say that's a terrible idea, getting rid of the like button. I mean... At that point, somebody suggested when I was reading through the comments, somebody suggested, well hell, all that's gonna happen now is people are just gonna retweet what they like, and it's just going to clutter the crap out of everybody's timeline. Nobody is gonna know who did what or who said what because it ain't nothing but a bunch of retweets. So yeah, I don't I don't agree with that one either, Jack, but you know, again, your company, you do what you want. Anyway, so PayPal has uh, band gab stripe is probably going to ban gab, uh, joylent, which is their hosting service is tell, has told them they had 24 hours to get out and GoDaddy tells them that they got 24 hours to get out. My, my question is how was this ever decentralized? This is, how how on earth would you be able to state in any way, shape or form that there's no way that you can be shut down because you're decentralized when you're not only not being not decentralized, but being shut down because you're not decentralized? That's how if you want to shut somebody down, make sure they're centralized. Gab was always centralized, people. It was never, never decentralized. Mastodon, I think, has a better uh I think Mastodon's got a much better chance to pull that off than, than Gab does. I don't think Gab's coming back, and if they do, I think the are will be on compare. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Uh, let's get into uh, Marty's Ben. All right. We got Marty's bit from uh, last Friday, Friday, October the 26th, 2018, issue 348, Bitcoin as a Living Organism. And he takes, first thing up is he takes a screenshot of an excerpt from uh, an, the article that he's talking about. And uh, I'll just go ahead and read the excerpt. Bitcoin's origin is akin to planting a tree. It wasn't just Satoshi's selection of the species, parentheses, code, But the season, parentheses timing, soil, distribution, and gardening, community, that were essential to its success. It had to grow to be strong, mighty, and huge. It had to survive droughts, storms, and predators. Its deep roots had to support the weight of becoming a new world reserve currency. So Marty's bent is, yesterday afternoon, Dan Hill dropped the... <clears throat> the first of a four-part series of his in which he will lay out a thorough contextualization of Bitcoin's immaculate conception. In this part, Dan defines Bitcoin's species as a set as, and sets the stage for putting Bitcoin's launch in perspective by taking <clears throat> the condition of the world in 2008 into consideration. One thing I loved about this first part in particular is the introduction of the Latin phrase sanum, Hacunium, or sound money, which I have not ever seen until reading Dan's piece. As someone who tortured himself with four years of Latin in high school, I'm a sucker for a qual Latin phrase. Thanks for this, Dan. Beyond the very meticulous breakdown of Bitcoin species and the beautiful Latin phrases, the concept of Bitcoin as a living organism has fascinated me for some time now. Dan frames this piece by saying we should view Bitcoin like a tree, something that was planted and can grow strong over time if it is sufficiently nurtured. The protocol's open nature and low barrier to entry makes it so its DNA is copied and replicated across an extremely large geographic surface with no single point of failure. Bitcoin has hired us humans to expend a weird amount of energy and capital to ensure its survival. In return for our dutiful service, we are afforded a sound digital money in return. This symbiotic relationship between flesh and machine grows stronger and more dependent by the block. The meshing of the physical and digital worlds is unfolding before us as we tweet. Things are only going to get weirder from here man. I agree. Final thought. My fall wardrobe is struggling right now. Fit a ball out at the next J crew, 40% off sale. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend freaks. Yeah. Let me say something about the, uh, the living organism nature of, of Bitcoin. Um, Marty and a few other people are absolutely correct. This just because it's not made out of tissue or, or can be cut and, and then bleed. Does not make, Bitcoin any less of an organic creation than an elephant. You, just because it's digital, don't mistake don't mistake that for not being able to uh, uh, follow the rules of biology, ecology, or not rules, but the precedents that we've learned from biological and eco- ecological systems, which are both living systems. I believe Bitcoin's a living system too. And I think the things that are growing up around Bitcoin are the are are absolutely forming have absolutely formed an ecology. Uh, this is a real thing. Um, be be very 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 careful of those people who do not respect the power of a living system, because the power of a living system can wipe fa- the face of civilizations off the planet. It's happened before. And it will happen again. And if you don't think Bitcoin's not poised to do the same thing, only this time, not just at a particular geographic area, but a particular notion of human condition, i.e. economies, then you are woefully, woefully, woefully unprepared for what's going to happen in the future. So... There's my comment on Marty's Bent. I want to thank Marty Bent for Marty's Bent. And you can find Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter. With that said, let's move on to Bitcoin 101. All right, this segment of Bitcoin 101 uh, comes from Coindesk. The article of which I got from L O P P L-O-P-P.net, L-O-P-P.net uh, where he's got a very amazing, long, and, and um, useful list of Bitcoin resources. And we're starting at the uh, rec- uh, resources of learning Bitcoin because this is Bitcoin 101. So this CoinDesk article is entitled, What is Bitcoin? And it was last updated the 26th of January this year. 2018 so they, they they're still all over this thing. I, I wish they had put the original date of publication in on this. I think that would have been interesting p- bit of data but let's just get through it To cut through some of the confusion surrounding Bitcoin we need to separate it into two components. on the one hand you have the Bitcoin or you have Bitcoin the token a snippet of code that represents ownership of a digital contract, sort of like a virtual IOU. On the other hand, you have Bitcoin the protocol, a distributed network that maintains a ledger of balances of Bitcoin the token. Both are referred to as Bitcoin. The system enables payments to be sent between users without passing through a central authority such as a bank or payment gateway. It is created and held electronically. Bitcoins aren't printed like dollars or euros. They're produced by computers all around the world using free software. It was the first example of what we today call cryptocurrencies, a growing asset class that shares some characteristics of traditional currencies with verification based on cryptography. Who created it? A pseudonymous software developer going by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto proposed Bitcoin in 2008 as an electronic payment system based on mathematical proof. The idea was to produce a means of exchange, independent of any central authority that could be transferred electronically in a secure, verifiable, and immutable way. To this day, no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto really is. In what ways is it different from traditional currencies? Bitcoin can be used to pay for things electronically. If both parties are willing, in, <clears throat> in that sense, it's like conventional dollars, euros, or yen, which are also traded digitally. But it differs from fiat digital currencies in several important ways. 1. Decentralization. Bitcoin's most important characteristic is that it is decentralized. No single institution controls the Bitcoin network. It is maintained by a group of volunteer coders and run by an open network of dedicated computers spread around the world. This attracts individuals and groups that are uncomfortable with the control that banks or government institutions have over their money. Bitcoin solves the double-spending problem of electronic currencies in which digital assets can easily be copied and reused, through an ingenious combination of cryptography and economic incentives. In electronic fiat currencies, this function is fulfilled by banks, which gives them control over the traditional system. With Bitcoin, the integrity of the transactions is maintained by a distributed and open network owned by no one. 2. Limited Supply Fiat currencies, dollars, euros, yen, etc. have an unlimited supply. Central central banks can issue as many as they want and can attempt to manipulate a currency's value relative to others. Holders of the currency, and especially citizens with little alternative, bear the cost. With Bitcoin, on the other hand, the supply is tightly controlled by the underlying algorithm. A small number of new bitcoins trickle out every hour and will continue to do so at a diminishing rate until a maximum of 21 million have been reached. This makes bitcoin more attractive as an asset, in theory. If demand grows and the supply remains the same, the value will increase. Pseudonymity While senders of traditional electronic payments are usually identified, for verification purposes and to comply with anti-money laundering and other legislation. Users of Bitcoin, in theory, operate in semi-anonymity. Since there is no central validator, users do not need to identify themselves when sending Bitcoin to another user. When a transaction request is submitted, the protocol checks all previous transactions to confirm that the sender has the necessary Bitcoin as well as the authority to send them. The system does not need to know his or her identity. In practice, each user is identified by the address of his or her wallet. Transactions can, with some effort, be tracked this way. Also, law enforcement has developed methods to identify users if necessary. Furthermore, most exchanges are required by law to perform identity checks on their customers before they are allowed to buy or sell Bitcoin, facilitating another way that Bitcoin usage can be tracked. Since the network is transparent, the progress of a particular transaction is visible to all. This makes Bitcoin not an ideal currency for criminals, terrorists, or money launderers. (laughs) (coughs) Bitcoin transactions cannot be reversed, unlike electronic fiat systems. I'm I'm sorry, Bitcoin transactions cannot be reversed unlike electronic fiat transactions. This is because there is no central adjudicator that can say, okay, return the money. If a transaction is recorded on the network, and if more than one hour has passed, it is impossible to modify. While this may disquiet some, it does mean that any transaction on the Bitcoin network cannot be tampered with. This five is Divisibility. The smallest unit of a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi. It is one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. At today's prices, that's one hundredth of a cent. This could conceivably enable microtransactions that traditionally electronic money cannot. So there you have it for this first part. Um, There's uh, actually several parts to this, and we'll read the next one tomorrow. And today's terrible joke corner is brought to you by empty beer bottle no otherwise known at as at full beer bottle on Twitter this is uh, I figured I'd keep it this one I try to find some close to home really bad jokes but uh, he's just uh, making a reply to a uh, bully bully Esquire always knew you were a horse fan I'm just a naysayer uh, I don't even. I don't even need to know where, why he's replying that way. But that's the kind of bad joke that I can appreciate. Thank you, empty beer bottle, for the bad joke of the day. It's time for daily trainwrecked. So, who's up on the on the chopping block for today's Daily Train Wrecked? Well, let's just look. Well, it appears the winner today is MapleChange. A small Canadian cryptocurrency exchange claimed to have suffered a bug that allowed hackers to withdraw funds from its exchange. In an announcement on Twitter, MapleChange stated that because we have no more funds to pay anyone back... The exchange has to close down unfortunately. This includes all of our social media. Hours after the incident and the shutdown of Maple Change's social media accounts, a group of investors found the identity of the CEO of Maple Change, disclosing his name on name and address on Twitter. After the disclosure, MapleChange's Twitter account was reactivated with the team stating, we have not disappeared, guys. We simply turned off our accounts temporarily to think this solution through. We cannot refund everyone, all of their funds, but we will be opening wallets to whatever we have left so people can, parentheses, (laughs) hopefully... withdraw their funds, uh, sources from crypto slate, uh, which I've got the, 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 um, the uh, story up here. Yeah. <laughs> Small Canadian. So, so uh, maple change got, says they got hacked, uh, closed down, you know, closed down their exchange, closed down like their website, closed down like all ability for anybody to get anything out of their funds said that, and then come to find, come to find out that they closed down all their social media accounts so that they could think about the situation. So you could think, you have an open Twitter account, computer's not on, but you're not looking at Twitter, but because you have that Twitter account open, you can't think about the situation. So, I mean, this leads to their CEO getting doxxed. And his his address and name get released on Twitter, man, you just you people played with your lives. Uh, so, you know, let's let's revisit rule number one from our good buddy Andreas Antonopoulos. A long time ago, Andreas said, "If it's not your keys, then it's not your Bitcoin," and he is one hundred percent correct. Because when you send your Bitcoin and put it on an exchange or hold it on Coinbase or you know, some third-party wallet and you're depending on them to give you the, the Bitcoin when you request it, that means you don't own the keys to that Bitcoin. And that means that Bitcoin is not your Bitcoin. Don't keep your Bitcoin on exchanges, hot wallets, things like Coindesk. Anything like that, don't do it, because these guys are going to exit scam your ass. And in this case, you know the guy got doxxed, but the that money's gone. That money's never coming back. So congratulations for daily train wrecked, for <laughs> <Poor> Maple Change. <laughs> to laugh and I'm sorry for any of you guys listening to this that had any of your money on maple change don't ever do it again really don't ever do it again and that will do it for Daily train (laughs) wreck. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow. I'm feeling much better. Uh, A little bit more news. Not only is the podcast up on iTunes, but you can now get it on um, Google Play. And I'm expecting a word back from Stitcher here pretty quickly. So um, I'm... At least on two platforms now, so that's that. That's good that they have been able to find any problem, you know, major problems with with the podcast to the point that they wouldn't uh, wouldn't put it up. Um, so that's that. You can follow me at b e n n d seven seven on Twitter. I know it's not the most imaginative name or handle in the world, but you know what are you going to do? I started that. That thing well before I, you know, well before I knew about or got into the Bitcoin space. So I'm, that's why I don't have crypto in my name, which I'm actually kind of thankful for. Um, yeah, so we will see you tomorrow. Please go to iTunes and Google Play, uh, share Bitcoin and like it, give it a review, let me know what I'm doing wrong. I know I'm doing stuff wrong. I know I am. It's okay. I want to work on the, on the stuff that really matters to you guys first. And if I don't hear from you, I can't work on any of it. I, I, I don't have a uh, hope, hope in hell to be able to figure out how to change something uh, for the better for you guys. Unless you credit, you've got to give me criticism. I, I I can take it. I've been on, I've I've been in the, I've been in crypto for a while. I've got a fairly thick skin. Um, please give me some criticism, like share, subscribe tell all your friends about it. That kind of thing. Um, let's see if I can you know, get some, some uh, even more traction uh, than, I've, than I've got right now. Um, thank you for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Um, I'm on the mend, so tomorrow's show should be a little bit better. And we will talk to you then. Y'all have a wonderful day. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.